You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show, man. Huge honor to be here. Always happy to bring down property values. <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, especially this week, you made the effort and the attempt and the uh, you, you exec- are executing after your family is in the midst of uh, some sort of variant of COVID, including- My, my daughter called it the Omicronic. So, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, which yeah. I, I think there's some sort of a sublime you know, song to that effect. So, How, how yeah. old are your kids? Uh, seven and nine. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they're doing all right though. Yeah. Yeah. They had a fever. They bounced back pretty quick. My, my wife's been a little rough and I, we were talking before we recorded, I had alpha back in November of 2020. And it seems like the Omicron is more closely related to the alpha than the Delta. And so like, I've, I had a little bit of a sore throat for a day, a little bit of like some sinus pressure. And that was it for me. I was actually the least affected out of the, um, the family, which was surprising. Usually I'm, I'm like the, the weak link in the, the wolf household. So yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad you guys are doing well and I'm sure, I hope you guys have a quick bounce back. Sounds like you're well on your way. Um, so really what I want to start with, man, is I'm really excited just to hear Rob's story because, you know, we all know, or we should all know the author, the guy that's on the podcast, the guy that's got element, uh, building these businesses and doing these great things. And, uh, I just like to hear how this all started and where, where this, this all started to come together into all the things that you're doing at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I, I knew that that was kind of the, where we were going to go. And I was trying to think about some like context for that. Like, uh, I don't know that I was like, you know, there were some people that I know that were just hatched an entrepreneur, like my friend, David Dooley, which you, you should definitely get him on the show at some point. Um, that guy is just like, he bleeds entrepreneurship. Like you just couldn't imagine him doing any other, any other thing. Uh, I, I, to some degree, kind of, I, I wouldn't say fell into entrepreneurship, but it, it was, uh, an iterative process. Like in my work life, the, the, places that I did well were situations where I had a ton of autonomy. Like I had a, a, a boss that understood both my talents and my weaknesses, and they set me up to, to, you know, emphasize the good and, you know, kind of uh, firewall the, the deficiencies. And I, I did great in those environments, you know, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and, but it's, uh, you know, the, the entrepreneurship thing but, you know, I, I thought I was going to go to medical school, got very sick, ended up fixing my, my health issues in the process of kind of exploring that whole thing. I discovered CrossFit online around 2000, 2001, ended up opening, uh, the first oh, yeah, employee really? CrossFit affiliate gyms, you know, and, wow. um, 
And so I, I got into entrepreneurship that way. And it was really with a, a drive to help people. Like I, I had a sense that the, the type of like medicine I wanted to practice was not at the end of an MD. It was more as a, a strength and conditioning coach and, and talking to people about sleep and food and circadian biology. And, you know, if you, if you run a good gym, you may see people five hours a week or more which you can really have a massive impact on, on their lives in a situation like that. Whereas like, if you're a doctor, if you're seeing somebody five hours a week, like something has gone horribly wrong, <laughs> you yeah. know, like the, the whole model is, is kind of broken if, uh, if you're spending that much time with one person. So I, I definitely drifted into that whole entrepreneurial process, um, I'm trying to think of like a, a way to categorize it. Like there's like T-Rex entrepreneurs. I'm definitely more of like a uh, velociraptor. Like I'm pretty good at it, you know, but I'm, I'm uh, it wasn't like, I wasn't popped out of the uterus, like landed and like mm-hmm. I am entrepreneur, you know, it, it, it's a good fit for me, but there could have been a lot of other fits for me within a, a more classic work environment. If, if I had the right boss and the right situation and all that type of stuff, like I was, uh, really good at independent work and, and going and doing my own thing, uh, didn't do, did well with, um, mentorship and stewardship did terribly with micromanagement. And so, you know, just, uh, it, it, I guess just trying to lay some foundation on that because, uh, you know, I, I oftentimes, I, I think, you know, at the beginning of my career, when I would get inbound emails and questions, like 98% of it was I'm overweight or I have this health concern and how do I fix it? And it shifted over time where it's probably 50% kind of like career path stuff. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer and I want to become a health coach. I'm a this and I want to do that, you know, or I, I uh, had this health transformation and now it, it was so moving that I want to do something similar for people. And when I talk to folks, um, so often I, I encounter people that I'm like, you being an entrepreneur would, it, in my opinion, be an absolute disaster, you know, yeah. either for the person directly or maybe their spouse. And you have to kind of factor all that stuff in because um, if you're really risk averse, if you are need like a lot of guarantees, uh, or if the significant other needs a, a lot of guarantees, it can be some really difficult stuff to figure out. And sometimes the entrepreneurial angle um, can be best addressed as a side project instead of like the primary thing. Like some people, it is good to burn the boats jump in, be fully invested. And for other people, I'm like, that would be the worst decision that you've ever made in your life. You know, I, I met so many people running gyms that they got into CrossFit. They love training. They love the idea of CrossFit and they were wonderful people, but they had like the emotional acuity of like a, a wet sock, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were not inspiring. They, they couldn't read a room. They couldn't read a person and and. and you know, you would go into their gym and ironically, I remember Greg Glassman had this, this statement that you will tend to fill a gym with people similar to, to you in kind of makeup and constitution and everything. And it was kind of ironic. Like, uh, the, these folks would 
have maybe a gym not full, but of the people in the gym, they were kind of like odd misfits, very similar to the gym owner. And I guess that's okay, but it always reaches point where it would just barely keep the lights on, just barely pay the bills of the gym, but it offered nothing additional for, you know, like feeding, clothing, sheltering (laughs) the person, you know, silly shit like that. So um, and I know I'm just kind of bouncing all over the place here, but I, I guess just wanted to throw some context around. I think that some people really are super cut out for entrepreneurship. Other people like me have a predilection that given the right place and circumstance and, and opportunities can do a decent job in, in that space. And then I think that there are other people that either they directly or maybe they're significant other, like they are just not a good fit or not a good fit for, you know, like if you are super shy and, and not that great at, at, uh, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and doing all that type of stuff. And you have a totally like front facing social business, like it's going to be really tough. You know, it's kind of one thing if, if you figure out some widget to sell and you do online marketing and you can kind of hide or paper over the, the, um, relative deficiencies and like your, your social connectivity and whatnot. But, you know, these massage therapists, doctors, you know, uh, uh, coaches, trainers, like where it's really important that you establish a great connection with people. If that's not you, then either you need to develop that skill, like do a bunch of Toastmasters or whatever, and, and, and really bring it up. But I've just seen a lot of people that, you know, invest four or five, six years of their life and a lot of money and, and kind of flame out on that. And I, I think that a little bit of honest questions at the beginning of that, you know, just like risk aversion, um, are you introverted or extroverted as in like, if I'm in a group of people and I'm giving a talk, I have more energy at the end of that than I did at the beginning. Whereas my wife can do a great job. She's a great public speaker, but by the end of it, she is wiped out, like just, just laid out, you know? And so if you are a gregarious introvert, like my wife doesn't mean you can't run a gym, but you need to be really smart about how you do it. Like you need to know how much time you can be in there before you totally burn out. And you, you definitely need some type of coverage and you need that, that restoration time, like your, your rest and recovery probably shouldn't be another social engagement. It should be you like stand up paddleboarding or snowboarding or some sort of like, you know, singular individual activities so you can recharge those batteries. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. You have this, and this is so true, and I've interviewed so so many people, and one that comes to mind is a gentleman who is was an engineer and he became a coach for engineers and, and that, that shift of like, you have this wonderful pay. It's, it's always going to be great probably. And, you know, a lot of room to move, 
and uh, a little bit of autonomy, but then he goes into this coaching career of coaching other uh, engineers and that shift from kind of living inside of this box because everything's by rules and math and super delineated. Yeah. 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 And, and I kind of think the same thing as you is one of the questions I actually wanted to ask and you just dove right into it was, uh, you, you know, you have a, a background in research biochemistry, like, okay, <laughs> Hey, biochemists creating a business. Well, first of all, that's, that's probably a really epic combination. Somebody who does have some risk aversion and, or, I mean, excuse me, is, is okay with risk and, and has your type of background. And, and really then like one thing that, you know, we know about you is that you kind of bring this super complicated stuff down to a, a base level where like, even a guy like me can understand with a, a master's degree in education, I did nothing when it comes to any types of science. It just wasn't my strength. So was it, was it, do you think that maybe your ability to kind of articulate in a, in a layman's term and understand the need for, um, for everyone to experience better health was kind of that gap, like the thing that brought the entrepreneurial side of you from biochemist side of you. Yeah. You know, it, it, it maybe it, it, it's interesting. Um, so I, I taught some undergraduate chemistry, uh, mainly to nursing students. And I, I think I ruined a bunch of people's careers because they could have gone into nursing and made really good money and been super mobile, um, uh, had a great life. But instead, I was so excited about chemistry that I, 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 I made chemistry really easy because I was so excited about it. And people ended up shifting their careers out of nursing and became chemists, which was in retrospect, just a terrible idea. Like you can do, do things with it, but, um, uh, it, it's, uh, getting a chemistry degree would have been a good gig 50 years ago. It's it, it, now it's kind of like, okay, you use it to go do something else, but actually working as like a, a chemist, there's just not that much out there. There is some stuff like some lab work and everything, but, um, I, people who had been struggling with chemistry and physics and stuff like that, I would tutor these things. And I was just so excited about it that I, I think they could, it was just this infectious kind of, kind of element to it. And I think I've kind of brought that into everything that I do when you're talking to somebody in the, in the gym and they've had a lifetime of, of, you know, weight or body composition issues and you get to know them, you build some relationship, you get on the inside with them a little bit so that you can start teasing them and they can start teasing you. And, and then in that process, it's like, well, of course you have, you know, body composition issues. You eat like an asshole. You never sleep. You drink like a fish you know, you exercised once and didn't like it because your heart rate went up and you got hot and sweaty. And so of <laughs> course this is where we are, you know, and that's okay if that's where you want to stay, but you have kids and you want to see grandkids and you have some other aspirations. So, you know, where's, where's this thing going to go? So I think it was, um, that ability to, again, to, to connect with people and build relationships that was able to take, you know, research biochemist information and then apply it to them in a, uh, a way that was meaningful. And then I was able to do that with my books and blogs and, and podcasts and stuff like that. But it, it was mainly because I, I really loved the topic and I loved helping people. Like I really, 
Um, you know, it's funny as, as background, I've thought about this. Like I came out of a fairly codependent family. Um, my parents were as good a people, wonderful people, but, but very much more difficult childhoods than I had, which left its effects. And then I had the experience of being raised by them. And there was definitely some codependency there. There was some alcohol abuse. There was some other, you know, some mental health issues and stuff like that. So I developed a really good capacity for kind of helping people with a little bit of broken wing syndrome, you know, and that served me well in some ways, but then eventually I had to figure out like, okay, I, I need to be healthy as an individual. And, and interestingly, that created a, a remarkable barrier between myself and other people. And I, I think in a, a good way, and that's when a lot of my, uh, you know, the tough love portion of my career really really came into being where it's like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. And I, I, I get the struggle and the challenge and everything. And, and, uh, and there's a hundred people behind you that want my time. So are you going to get on board and do it? Or am I going to punt you and, and go to the next person who is going to do it? Because it, it, their, it, a life is too important to, to spend time farting around with somebody who's not ready to go. And, uh, and again, I know I'm just bouncing all over the place. I love it. it, it yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah. So you, 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 uh, co-open or co-own these early affiliates because you fell in love with CrossFit, obviously, um, mm-hmm. obviously probably had some direct connection with Glassman, just in the fact that that's how it grew in those days. And was that kind of the, 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 the start, uh, of kind of your, the, the whole paleo thing, or were you already kind of like looking into that and researching that or living that lifestyle? I had been kind of living that lifestyle since 1998. And wow. so that's when I first, you know, I, I was very sick from ulcerative colitis and in poking around, trying to figure out what I could do to, to address that, this idea of ancestral eating or a paleo type diet got on my radar. And really the first iteration of that, that I did was an Atkins book because Mm -hmm. in 1998, 1999, there were no books on the paleo diet. Like Lauren Cordain had not written his book until 2001. And it was 2001 that I found CrossFit. And then Dave Warner and I started, who's a retired Navy SEAL, good friend of mine. We started working out together in his garage. Like we just moved all of his welding equipment to one side of his garage and hung up gymnastics rings and, you know, turned his garage into a a gym. And, uh, I don't know, four or five months later, we, we had 12, 15 people that we were training and, um, we reached out to the glassmans and said, Hey, we want to open officially a gym. We want to call it CrossFit. Can we do that? And they were like, yes, go be achieved, you know, do it. And I want to say that that first gym. And then even when I opened up CrossFit NorCal, NorCal strength and conditioning, which was the fourth affiliate gym, I want to say we were open a good three to five years before we ever had an affiliate contract of any kind. Wow. It was, and that, that is one of the kind of interesting and endearing characteristics of, of the Glassman's and CrossFit that it, there was at some point like this, um, goodwill handshake type of, of trust that went on that ended up getting exploited and twisted in a lot of ways oh. later, but it, it, at least what, you know, started off with that, that thing. So, yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things about CrossFit, that was interesting. It was very into the paleo diet concept. Like it was something that they, they talked about in their like oh. daily posts. They were definitely more into like the zone diet, but, um, 
lots and lots of overlap be, between the two of those. So it was a, uh, uh, a, a easy home for me to find. And, you know, this is a, maybe an example again of, um, at least until the relationship started going south, like Greg recognized some talent that I had and he was like, just go help people. Like, just go be of service, go help people. And I did. And so I, I had some stewardship and some mentorship from him that was really powerful. He provided some lane lines at certain times that I think were, were really spot on and, and uh, important for my career. But also, he just largely let me do what I was inclined to do, which was just help people. You know, that was something that he noticed where they had the CrossFit message board. And I mean, you, you would have had to have tranquilizer darted me to keep me off of there from just answering questions. You know, like I, I, I just loved helping people because people would have a, a problem or a concern. I would lay out what I thought was maybe a reasonable solution. And I almost always close this thing off with check back with me or, you know, let me know how you're doing. So it wasn't just like, Hey, here's this stuff. Go fuck yourself. Like we're, we're, you know, our relationship's done. It was get back to me and tell me what's going on. People would get back to me and maybe what I recommended was great. Maybe what I recommended was 80% of what they needed. And then we would iterate, but I was invested in them. And then I built trust. And then, you know, these relationships were established. And I guess maybe that's something for like the bigger picture here too. Like this is 23 years in now, 24 years into um, message boards and forums and answering questions. And, uh, uh, it's changed because of social media and social media now, unfortunately rewards kind of like over the top hyperbolic stuff. So it's, it's, it's interesting and challenging to carve out a niche now and, and just be reasonable and sincere, you know, and, uh, that's a whole, whole different world. But, uh, I, I see folks that kind of want to shortcut that process. Like you just have to help people. And, you know, if you've got an Instagram account or whatever, um, just post valuable content, like look at what's going on, look at a news article. And then, you know, uh, what, what is there an angle that is unique that you have on it? If that's your, your, your unique, uh, super skill, some people stink at, at writing and doing stuff like that. And they're better off just like building relationships with people and having kind of a, a local brick and mortar set up and whatnot. You, you, two, two points that are, I think are really important to make sure are highlighted here. Number one, you started with just because of the desire to help people and answer. And I think a lot of it's really important for entrepreneurs, people trying to build business is like, it's okay to give all your stuff away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Give it away. And, and what you may or may not have known what you're doing, I imagine is you probably gathered a ton of kind of anecdotal data based on those conversations. Like yep. the, you know, this worked here and it didn't work here. Why here and not here? And you started, I'm sure it helped you kind of continue to, to uh, build connections between what the body does and how food reacts. And so, I mean, when you help others, you're, you're just going, going to end up helping yourself if, if that's For sure. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The other one is I totally forgot. <laughs> I'll circle back around to it, but um, oh, the time, time. Yeah. Like, I, I've, I've made, you know, speaking of social media, I've made social media posts, you know, about overnight success and the, uh, you know, the amount of years that 
uh, overnight success. The 22 year overnight success. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's so important when someone's like, Oh, I want to be right. Like Rob Wolf. I want to have, you know, books, critically acclaimed books. And I want everybody to know my name. Well, okay. Start now and expect maybe something in 20, 30 years. Right. If you're good at it. Right. Well, and, and it could happen faster, but you look at people like Joe Rogan, you know, Joe, was a, a great actor back in the news radio days. And nobody, nobody remembers any of that shit. And then he was fear factor. And then he got, you know, in, it, it, so there's all this luck timing, but also he had this skill set of being a stand-up comedian, which makes him, you know, he's very smart. He's very curious. He has to look at the world in kind of a different, maybe even a little bit of a broken way to be able to find these kind of interesting, you know, funny takes on, on things. And then he had all of this, uh, media training, basically, you know, being an actor, getting involved with the UFC, then he started podcasting. And so there's a 25, you know, 20, 25 year developmental process for Joe Rogan to be at the the point of where he is now. There's some luck, there's some fortuitous timing, uh, you, you know, that does all come together. But that that is what most of what successful entrepreneurship is, is, you know, some luck, some uh, being too dumb to quit at various points. And and then you developing usually some sort of unique skill set that gives you a little bit of a comparative advantage with whatever it is that you're up to. Yeah. Yeah. Having the brilliance to be too dumb to quit. That's a, I mean, yes. it's, big, it's yeah. a big success quotient. Just don't yeah. stop. You, right. you, you mentioned ulcerative colitis. It's interesting. Um, I suffered, you know, ulcerative colitis can be devastating. And, and mm-hmm. when I first went left for uh, graduate school in my early years, uh, in my early twenties or whatever it was, I don't remember too long ago, but it funny enough, you know, they tried all the medication, all these different things, and it was diet to finally fix it. Yeah. And it's never, ever come back. And, and, um, so it's a very interesting, did that kind of like strengthen your passion and, in your pursuit of helping people through some diet nutrition things. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, this sounds weird. This sounds a little weird, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Uh, do you remember the the movie, the sixth sense where like the kid could see dead people and, you know, I, I, I had this, this period of time long before I wrote a book long before there were really great, good re- There are now research articles that suggest that, autoimmune paleo type diet is great for ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, rheumatoid. Like, but 22 years ago, none of that stuff existed. But anecdotally, I started working with people and these folks would have these problems. And I'm like, okay, well, let's eliminate these things and introduce these things. And these folks got better and they had run the gamut of medical, you know, standard medical treatment and we're, we're still suffering. And then some, some fairly simple, but sometimes, you know, challenging to implement changes ended up healing these folks. And the, the cynics or the real evidence-based medicine people be like, oh, there's no randomized control trial. And I, I make the point, there's no randomized control trial that the universe exists. Like all that we have is the microwave background radiation, you know, it's an after effect of the big bang. Like not everything gets an RCT. There's lots of other ways to, to get information out in the world. But, um, there was this time where I would meet person after person out. Oh, I have GERD. I have this, I have RA, my parents, you know, died of this. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could help that person. And then my challenge was getting a relationship with the person such that I could just encourage them to try this, 
but not coming across as a crazy person and like turning them off. And, uh, and it was kind of like meeting someone like a Stephen King novel, you shake their hand and like, you see, oh, your house is going to burn down tonight, or like, you're going to die in a car crash. What do you do then to try to convince that person that something they need to change something, but you need to convince them in a way that doesn't make them be like, oh, you're crazy. And then they go do exactly the thing that you you're trying to stop them from doing. And again, that may sound kind of messianic or narcissistic, but like that, I, I, uh, I mean, I'm not that good looking. I'm not that smart, but my first book sold well over a million copies. My second book is a, a similar seller and it, it, they sell because they help people. Like I don't have this massive marketing budget or, you know, I don't have a TV show or anything like that. They've, they've grown mainly due to the word of mouth of, you know, people getting success and usually healing themselves and then kind of going forward. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been interesting, uh, in that I knew that I had information in my head that could help people. And so it was kind of like this moral obligation that I've got to get this out to as many people as I possibly can, because, you know, it would be unethical to do anything different to that. I'll, I'll be honest that I'm at the point in my career now where I feel like on so many of these topics, the cat's out of the bag, the information is there. If I died tomorrow, this information is going to go on and people are, are very well steeped and articulating it and, and everything. And I'm honestly at a point in my career now where I'm kind of like, is my time best spent trying to help one-on-one -on -one people or even big group people like is my time better spent like doing uh uh seed investing or or you know uh, uh helping other budding entrepreneurs do what they need to do because if we can grow their stuff then they can have a disproportionate impact you know i don't know how impactful it is for me to to talk protein carbs fat on podcasts at this point because there's right. lots of people doing that and lots of people who do it better than i do now so yeah yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, the, there's like three pathways I want to go down and we're, we're pretty limited on time. So I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to talk about element and how that kind of was born mm. and what's going on there. But first, um, you, your information that your view on nutrition, and you said some key things in there that I would think that would really send off some alarms for pharma for, you know, kind of our current climate where, where we don't, we're not focusing on improving our health, getting more vitamin D, being outside, being leaner, uh, better diets. And we're, you know, zoomed in on pharma, whether you agree with that or not, it's, it's the truth. There's no, there's no shining light on these things that really absolutely make a long-term difference. Um, you had, you had a situation where you've kind of been deplatformed. I'm not sure if you're willing yeah. to talk about that, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I, you know, it was uh 2018. I just got up one day and, and my website had experienced a 97% decrease in organic traffic. And I had a very popular website. I forget where it was like in the Alexa linkings, but, but it was up there. Like I'd been working on it since 2007 and I had hundreds and hundreds of posts on things like, uh, low carb diets and type one diabetes. I had done reviews of some of the vegan documentaries, like what the health and cowspiracy. And if you searched, you know, for what the health you would find the movie. And then my, my review would be like number three on page wow. one and all that stuff was just gone. So I didn't get deplatformed in that, like 
Amazon Web Service took my site down. They just made it such that it was effectively impossible to find anything. And, you know, it is funny now, given the pandemic and everything else that we're seeing, this, this kind of when Google did that update and when Facebook started really hammering down on people who were, who were using paid ads, people in the kind of low-carb ancestral health space were, I would say, disproportionately impacted. Like there was a, an article that looked at who was kind of deplatformed in that OWL update. And uh, there were some like, it, it's interesting, within the anti-vax scene, there's, there, there are people who are into the low-carb scene. So like the Venn diagrams have a lot of overlap. I'm not anti-vax. My kids are vax. I got vaccinated. I didn't do the... Uh, the COVID stuff. Cause I, I caught it early on and, and, uh, I'm otherwise pretty healthy. And I, I, I actually have had one very negative, uh, vaccine reaction in the past from a tetanus shot and I have autoimmune conditions. So I decided I wasn't going to do that, but I think vaccines are amazing. Just, yeah, too. <laughs> I would like, I would like 10 years of, of, uh, safety information before I, I use them just like we do with all the other vaccines that, that have been used, but, um, and that seems to be a completely unreasonable, uh, uh request these days, but God, what was I, what was I talking about before that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, the rankings and the overlap. Yeah. 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 And, and so it's, it's interesting that there, there are like some squirrely people, you know, like the really hardcore anti-vaxxers, the people who think that like 5g, causes COVID and stuff like that. Like at the beginning of COVID, there was this, this thing going around that like 5G towers cause COVID and like the, the 5G cause cancer and all this. And I did a piece on, on the, this, um, I'm not a physicist, but I'm reasonably good at physics. And I kind of broke down the kind of, unless physics is operating in a way that I just don't understand. I don't see how, uh, 5G towers and, and Bluetooth and stuff like that is causing cancer. Like I, I, I just, don't get it. And, and I would be one of the main people that would jump and say, okay, I get it. These things are different than our ancestral background. So there might be a problem here, but man, I, I really, really looked, can't really find a problem, but so much of what pharma addresses at this point, type two diabetes, um, blood sugar dysregulation, neurodegenerative disease, if you intervene early and hard with a kind of ancestral lifestyle, depending on where you are in the developmental process of that disease, you can, you can reverse or forestall it. Like you can, you can halt the stuff in its tracks. And it seems ridiculous that an outfit like Google would be concerned about dietary change, but they, they were, and they are, you know, they want to control that information and want to curate that that material. And Chris Kresser and I had talked about this for a long time. It started becoming obvious that Google wanted to basically own health. Mm -hmm. Like if you notice now, if you search like blueberries, nutrition information, Google provides you its curated first answer. Like you don't even go into the Google verse or the internet. There's this curated thing. It's almost like you're in an app. And yeah. this is the thing that Google wants you to see. And, um, and that is true of, of so many of these kind of health topics. It's a little bit reminiscent of like Wikipedia, which I've had a Wikipedia entry about me put up and taken down like 20 times because I, I, I think there are people in the kind of vegan vegetarian scene that really dislike the paleo concept. Interestingly, there are people in the uh, tech scene 
that just detest the the whole idea of the the paleo ancestral health concept. And so I'll be put up, I'll be taken down. You know, it's like, oh, he's not relevant. He is relevant. He's not. But it's this interesting information curation process that um find just really dangerous. And and uh I haven't found any historical precedent for the people who are really hardcore about censorship uh being the good people at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's I remember when I was growing up, it was it was kind of the the lefty leaning librarians that were against book burning and censorship. And now that seems to have completely flipped and, and it's just fascinating to me, like absolutely fascinating that it's more religious conservatives that are, are the, the standard bearers for freedom, you know, and, and like not just religious freedom, but just like, well, you, you shouldn't burn Huckleberry Finn and you know, all this stuff. So anyway, getting far afield from that, but, but it all, I do feel like all of the censorship stuff as it relates to health, like it's got broader kind of societal implications. And I'm, that's either a little bit of my superpower shining through that I'm able to synthesize and pull things from lots of different areas, or it shows the breadth and depth of my neuroses and insanity <laughs> that I think that all these things are connected. And it's funny, people, people, different people will, will agree with both sides of that. Some people are like, you're an idiot. None of this stuff's connected. And other people are like, yeah, I never saw that connection. I, I think legit. that I think it's uh, hard to deny those connections, quite frankly, my personal opinion, I'll let you know what it is. Um, so I think it's hard to deny those connections. And, and unfortunately, there's a lot of money to be followed. And you can kind of see this trail of, you know, Google is, is a, money's a big deal. Forbes did a Forbes did a piece that made the case that Google should be seen as a biotech company because of the breadth and depth of their investments in different uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, pharmaceutical slash biotech company. And so it's interesting that when you control all of information and that information can be stewarded to um, to be the sole source of of what is credible health information. And you also happen to have some very deep inroads into these pharma solutions. Like it's, it's a fat, it's a great business model. It's a fascinating business model, but it has moved pretty far away from, uh, don't be evil. Right. It seems like, which was their, their founding motto. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, man, that's a whole 10 episodes on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's fascinating and it's, it's definitely a rabbit hole. I want to talk about element because. I was first introduced to Element probably a year and a half ago. I did the 75 hard. I ended up doing 151 days, just kind of like did it. And it was like, okay, well, this is kind of how I live anyway. So, um, but, but we were like, I was trying to find the right thing to drink. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I was someone in the fitness industry, of course, said, oh, you got to try Element. And then um, I've, I've been using it off and on since. And uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting product. And I want you to just, you know, we have like three minutes, but, but instead of like asking all the normal questions I ask, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of talk about element. I want to learn a little bit more about it. Uh, and I put a post up probably like two, three weeks ago, like saying, Hey, thanks for sending me some of this stuff, Rob. It's amazing. Um, and the responses, like there's just a lot of people in the fitness world, uh, using it and loving it. So give the, give the people a, a little bit of a, a scoop of why, why this salty drink. Um, and, and we don't have to get into like the craziness part of it, but just a short yeah. rendition of that. You, you know, the, the really short piece, and I guess this is, you know, 
ties back into the entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, I had struggled. I felt far better eating this kind of low carb way the last 23, 24 years, but I had some gaps in my energy, you know, like doing jujitsu and doing CrossFit type stuff. Like I just didn't have that low gear and it, kind of a long story around that. But the, the, the short part of it is that I really needed more electrolytes, specifically sodium. And my friends, Tyler Cartwright and Luis Villasenor, who run this, this uh, company called Keto Gains, I chatted with them. It took them about a year to get my head out of my backside to finally like do what they told me to do, which is dramatically increase my sodium intake. And when I did like magic happened, like I just felt way better. My sleep was better. I had this, this low gear while doing, you know, more hard glycolytic activity, even though I was uh, low, low carb fueled. And, um, I, I was just blown away. I'm like, Oh my goodness. You know, when I looked at what this addressed with me, and I looked at the folks that I serve, I'm like 98% of the problems that people experience when they're eating this way are probably caused from low electrolytes and inadequate sodium. So, which Tyler and Luis knew this, they were very savvy to this because they coach people, they work with people every day and have for, for years and, and lots of people. So I, uh, I suggested that we, and they had been, been releasing this thing called a, a keto aid recipe. And it's basically how to make your own home brew of this mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And we just ramped this up. Like we, it was a freemium offering. We weren't even collecting emails for it. Like it was super unsophisticated. Like it wasn't lead generator or anything. And within um, six months, we had half a million, you know, downloads of this thing and people were raving about it. They're like, I feel so much better. My energy's better. But the the bugger is that it's inconvenient to travel with three bags of white powder. You know, the CSA <laughs> doesn't, doesn't dig that stuff, you know? And so it was our, our followers that suggested, why don't you do some sort of a convenience play? Like, why don't you do a stick pack or something like that? And so we, we did it, but it, it, evolve from, I had this need that I wasn't aware of. I sought out expertise above my station. I was given good advice. I experimented, I saw improvement. And then I saw this opportunity to help people. And I didn't, it wasn't immediately obvious to me that, oh, there's this like business opportunity here. You know, we gave this thing away Mm -hmm. even now, like on the, um, you know, you look at the packaging we tell you exactly what's fucking in there. A right. gram of sodium to, you know, it, it, there's no, there's no mystery. There's no proprietary this or that, you know, it's like, this is exactly what's in there. But we, we started off by just wanting to help a lot of people. And then the, the people that we helped were so endeared to us are like, no, really, you guys need to develop a product. And so we did. And, and then we had this like built in user base that they're like, even if I don't like it, I'm going to buy it at least the first time because, right. you know, you guys have, have done all this good stuff for us. So that, that is in a short form, the story of Element, awesome. and we're on year three and it's, I think it's one of the fastest growing like wellness companies in, in the world right now. Like it, it, it's really going, going great guns. And it, uh, it seems to, uh, dramatically address this need for adequate electrolytes, specifically sodium and it tastes good. And it's convenient. And that's really the only magic there. Love it. Love it. I want to, I mean, I love, I think it was the watermelon flavor Mm -hmm. landed on and I really love it. And it does take, it's a little, it's sodium, it's high sodium. So you need drinky like, whoa, it's salty. And it just takes a little bit and you're, you're good with it. And, um, 
we'll talk a little more a bit offline on that, but I really highly suggest people try it. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, so it's spelled LMNT, just so yeah. everybody knows, don't logo look with EL, you'll find a skateboard company and a lot of other things, but, uh, but yeah, so I definitely want to endorse that like full on, uh, and then, of course, your your amazing books, Paleo Solution, Wired to Eat. And then you have a, a newish, is it newish one? Yeah. Uh, Sacred Cow. Sacred Cow. Co-authored yep. with Diana Rogers. Um, so definitely check those out. Uh, man, I really appreciate your time. I really do. I love hearing your story. And, and I think there's a lot of tidbits in there for the for the listener to hear. Thank you. I know it was kind of random access, but uh, awesome. might be some Omicron brain coming through. But maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe it was like an ayahuasca thing that everybody got to uh, to experience on the outside. That's so, how I uh, like it, man. I like it just random. <laughs> just talk. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Any any of you out there listening, go try some uh, Element. Make sure you pick up those books. Follow Rob. He's got amazing information out there. And just thank you for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Follow all the other good stuff. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.